So What is a podcast from the Gathering at Crossings Community Church. This podcast exists to help young adults navigate real life and cultural topics in light of what the Bible says. The Gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. at Crossings Community Church. It is a place for young adults in their 20s and 30s to belong and be known and become like Hey guys, like welcome to you enjoyed the So podcast. What. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're excited to have another podcast and just recap our lessons from The Gathering. If it's your first time tuning in, what we've started doing the past couple weeks is just recapping and re-going over our messages that we have on Tuesday and to talk about content either that we left out, that we want to explain more, or that we just kind of think merits a good conversation. And so this Tuesday, we had our campus location pastor, Bill Search, um, give a message about um, just, I think humility is really what we would Yes. Pride, the whole shebang. And yes. so he's going to briefly recap that for us. And we're just going to kind of dive into it. But before we do that, mm. there was a part. So if you weren't here on Tuesday, mm. there was a part in the message where you brought up a particular musician, rapper, if you will. Will you tell yes. us his actual name? Yes. I'm Marshall Mathers. Marshall Mathers. From my home state of <laughs> Michigan. Michigan. What a yes. place. And um, it was really funny because... If you don't know, that's Eminem. And so yes. it kind of took our audience a while to catch on mm-hmm. to the reference, yeah. which was really funny. And so you talked about I called about him song. a poet extraordinaire initially. <laughs> I didn't really I mean, refer to him as a musician, rapper, singer. Technically, you're not wrong. Pop star, whatever. No, no, he actually is quite a poet. Yeah, A lyrical it's genius, not an advocate. if you will. I, I'm not advocating all his music. I, I mean, I quoted just a few bits from just lose yourself is a great lose song yourself. yeah it's well and it had notch. it was i had bearing it wasn't just random it had it had everything to do with the way that he was trying to make sense of his life and if you follow his life you realize mm. i mean he's been a success commercially but his whole life is perhaps not a pattern we should follow <laughs> no no i think he'd be honest i think if he's here on the podcast he'd be like i got my struggles that's why I sing. You know, <laughs> I think that's he'd say something like that. Only he'd say it much cooler. Than much that. much yeah, cooler. Yeah, much yeah. more like yeah, yeah. abrupt. He he would yeah. sound better. He had a good podcast mm-hmm. voice for sure. Um, yeah. Is there any other Marshall Mathers songs? Well, that there's you a enjoy? few, but uh, not of course that we're endorsing. No, them. no, 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 However, no, 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 no. It's not. Um, not but till I collapse, it's a good workout song, and it was on the movie Real Steel, which my son, who's now 17, but when he was like 12, it was like his favorite movie. That's and if, awesome. And whenever I came home real steel was on and that's on the soundtrack so i think i have (laughs) i think i have at least i don't know if there's an unfamily friendly version of that song or not because i've only heard it from the actual soundtrack there for sure is an unfamily friendly version i advise you to not look it up yeah don't but does it get the people going is it a good workout song yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so okay Launching into that, can you yeah. tell us a little more about kind yeah. of the rest of your message, what yeah, we talked absolutely. about Tuesday? So it's been in this series uh, that kind of juxtaposes two ideas that are on different uh, kind of ends of the pole, right? So it's what the world would do and what the follower of Christ should do. And so the Christian life versus the life that's not dedicated to Christ. And so when you think about how many of us make sense of our life or the foundation of our life, I compared two different foundations um, one I called hubris and one is humility. And so hubris is, it, it, you know, it's synonyms are like pride and arrogance, but I like hubris better because hubris by its definition, the old definition is to basically extend one's sphere past one sphere. It's mm-hmm. in my grandpa's terminology is getting too big for your britches, <laughs> but it's your way of saying, 
um, kind of that projection. And thanks to social media, we do this all the time. We project past our borders. You know, we're prettier than we are, or hands, more handsome than we are in real life, or more fit than we are in real life, or more intelligent than we mm-hmm. are in real life. Our parties are grander than they are in real life. The food tastes better. And, you know, in social media than it does in real life. Everything ends up being these um, posed moments. Mm -hmm. And this is like the culture that we live in today. Yeah, we're swimming in it. Mm -hmm. So you just think about, and we're all guilty of it. We all know that if you hold the camera above your head, it it drops (laughs) a few pounds off and you end up looking a little bit uh, firmer, fitter, Mm -hmm. and younger. And uh, most, Mm -hmm. maybe if the audience is in their 20s, you don't think about it that much or you do. Uh, I'm in my early fifties and I, trust me, my people know, they, <laughs> they know, know the camera angles. angle, they know the camera well, angle. And it's just... kind of funny. Cause it's like, Hey, y'all who y'all, who cares? Yeah. You know? but, but there are whole industries, right. Just dedicated to oh, yes. that, just extrapolation and bigger yes. than. And I think yeah. like as a society is really yeah. interesting because if you're not bigger than your britches, you're not on yeah. pace. Oh, and so certain. I think we're really swimming in that idea. Yeah. And so I used for a reference point biblically, from Philippians 3, and the Apostle Paul kind of gives us his LinkedIn profile. And this was like before Christ, he made a big deal out of the fact he was from a particular tribe of the people of Israel, that he was of a certain economic and educational status of that tribe, that he was a man of importance. And then he goes on to say, you know, it's all loss. It's loss, it's loss, it's loss. Because mm-hmm. of Christ, it's just to me, scubula is the old, old Greek word for it. And uh, can you explain that? Word oh, a little yes, bit for those yes, who yes. There? It, was, it was a good bit. What's it was great a good is bit. what's great, and I, I brought this out. What I, I love is that Bible translations, modern Bible translations, are very, very good. And I don't want to discourage anyone from reading their English Bible. And you don't have to know Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic in order to read the Bible, just to be clear. But what it also means is that Bible translators are. They're doing their best effort, but they have guidelines and principles like don't offend people <laughs> and uh, and don't say off-color things. We don't want a PG-13 rating for the Bible, though it is kind of PG-13 if we're I honest. mean, the more you dive deep into it, I've been reading through the Old Testament, I'm like, oh. Some of it's rated R, but anyhow, we won't go into that. <laughs> it's another but, podcast, another day. But scubula, by, it, it's often translated as garbage or refuse or dung. And that's close, but no cigar. It really is. Um, it really is the byproduct the body produces after you have a nice meal. Mm-hmm. So it's the things that you flush down the toilet, uh, <laughs> as my grandpa would say, the toilet. Um, it, so it's crass, and actually, that seems to be what Paul's trying to get at: is everything that we produce is kind of crass in comparison. Yeah. He was for shock value, using a word that in that Greco-Roman culture would have raised an eyebrow in nice society. Just picture his someone like reading through the letter yeah, in church, yeah, and they yeah, get to that word, yeah. everyone's face. You know, if his mother would have read that letter, she'd been like, "Paul, I raised you better than this." You Ear twist. You could have said just garbage, honey. And uh, I gave you a good vocabulary. Use it. <laughs> <laughs> but he knew vocabulary and he yeah. chose that word. But, you know, you think about it, the very best, it's the funny part is we we frame our life in such a way as to put on our very best face. And there's times for that, okay? But, but when that's like the foundation of our life, the projection of who we really are, the avatar of who we really yeah. are, then, uh, and, and we fall asleep at night, at night knowing exactly who we are, then we got a real problem here. And Paul's like, hey, none of that really did for me what I hoped it would do. I wanted that to make me a real righteous mm-hmm. guy, and it couldn't do that. It was just garbage. Well, and what I love when you pointed out when uh, you were talking about Paul last night was 
And when he gives his whole resume, his mm-hmm. whole, I did this, I did this, yep. I did this, I did this. And I don't know about you, but like, I feel like whenever we have a resume, we kind of tend to extrapolate. We yeah. tend to like make the story yeah. a little bit bigger than it is. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying earlier, but yep. with Paul, like that wasn't yeah. the case. His oh, no. was very yeah. factual and he really yeah. just was that guy. Yeah. There's no, there's, I, I had a friend um, years ago on his LinkedIn profile he had put on there that he had uh, created solutions for Microsoft. Well, I knew this guy. I'd known him for a long time, and I knew he'd never worked for Microsoft. So mm-hmm. I, I then dug into it a little bit, and here's here's what happened. He had been working as IT support at a local hotel, and from time to time, when the hotel conference room was checked out by, say, Microsoft trainers on how to use PowerPoint and this sort of deal, the the trainer wouldn't necessarily know how to connect, say, the video projector to their laptop, and so he fixed it, and so. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That was his idea of creating Microsoft solutions. I was like, technically, good he's luck not e- wrong. Uh, he just good luck explaining right. that. You know, yeah. If exactly. someone digs into that in the job interview, you might not have much longer of a job interview. But you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to your point, Paul didn't do that. Paul wasn't. There was no puff piece with Paul. Paul was like, "This is who I am. I'm pretty spectacular." And so when he walked into a room and he's like, "I'm better than most people in here." For us, when we do that, that's it's not kind of arrogant. It's not yeah, really for true. Paul, yeah, for Paul, it's like when I walk into a room, I am better than these people. <laughs> like I am. It's factual. Here's the papers to prove. Like it. here's my pedigree. Yeah, here you yeah. go. And yet, Paul's got that kind of old money vibe. Like yeah. I know I'm better than oh, you. Oh yeah, Thank he you. did. And yet he was like, "It's scuba." <laughs> no, I think that's really good. And one of the points that you brought up that I thought was really interesting last night was how Paul was someone who was in all of the best circles and in all of the oh, best yes. yeah. academic circles, yeah. social circles, religious circles. Like oh, he yeah. was in all of them and was a very proud member. Like he wasn't this fly yeah. on the wall. Yeah. Mm, the invite list is long enough. I guess we'll add mm-hmm. Paul. Like that was not him. No, we know this because they entrusted to him a very, very important task, which was to stamp out this rising heresy within Judaism, which was the cult that became known as Christianity, Mm -hmm. but the followers of that Nazarene guy from Galilee. So his job was to go stop it in his tracks. And, and they, you, you don't put some, um, you know, hangers on, on that task. You put your, your all-star on your, that your task. You, yeah, this is Super Bowl, and you the put your squad. you put <laughs> yeah. your first string in. So he's first string, and it takes the Lord Jesus Himself to interrupt that, mm-hmm. which says something about the tenacity of this guy. Which, well, once he works for Christ, the tenacity—it's a good thing. Oh my, yes, Very it is good a thing. good thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and something else you brought up when like, we were talking about that was just the idea that whenever Paul became a Christian, mm-hmm. like a lot of that status and a lot of those circles were shut. It was closed and it changed yeah. drastically. And you talked about the comparison of going from having all of these really intellectually stimulating conversations and all of these very yeah. much, um, I don't know the way, like comparing of ideas and very scholarly conversations yeah. to like really dumbing it down with these new Christians, <laughs> these everyday folk, these carpenters yeah. and fishermen, like... I think a lot yeah. of times we take that for granted yeah. and that's something that um, we as Christians have a hard time doing. It's like, okay, like I don't really want to level myself down. Yeah. And so it was really interesting is that when you see this passion, Paul's pedigree, you see he didn't see levels and you see that throughout his teaching. You're right. I thought it was really neat in this lesson of humility, just kind of talking about how like Paul, if anyone had a reason to have that elevated yeah. view of himself, it was Paul and he just didn't. Yeah. He had this, he, once he was on mission for Christ, he was on mission for Christ. And so he's sincere when he's like, none of that really mattered, but I, I, I'm a human. Paul is human, was human. So there had to be a day or two where he thought to himself, man, I miss having access to the library in Jerusalem. 
there was a great, the world's great library in Alexandria, mm-hmm. Egypt. And there's no reason to, to think he went to Alexandria, but he could have. Like he would have had the papers. He would have had the, he would have had the uh, library card. He could have yeah. gotten into the good libraries. And then from the point of conversion to Christianity, the access to that kept getting uh, narrowed. And eventually he was kicked out of all that good, proper Jewish society. And uh, and so that even meant that now he's reasoning with people who are Gentiles and they don't know anything about the Jewish heritage and history. You know, he had to tell them about it for them to make sense of it. In fact, some of them, they got so excited about it. They were like, I'm going to go have a circumcision. And he had to explain to them why <laughs> no, they no, didn't. No, 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 I know no. it's hard to imagine a grown man being like, I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Sign um, me up. Yeah, but, yeah but, they, but they had thought, oh, I just stumbled into a new corner of my faith that will really make all this make better sense. And Paul then had to use his reasoning of his, uh, his brilliance of his understanding of Jewish law and Gentiles and Christianity and weave all these things together to explain, no, 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 you do not have to be ceremonially, ritually purified in the old system because the old system's now gone. Mm -hmm. But that level of brilliance also demonstrates that he, he didn't have a peer group. He did, but he didn't. He didn't have that same peer group. And yet, yet, we know from his own writings, he was like, it is okay. It didn't matter. Yeah. None of that. That was okay. Mm-hmm. So it's quite remarkable when you think of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and just the whole identity change is like, mm-hmm. like he had yeah. to completely change the identity. And what we see in scripture, what we see in this passage is his whole identity was Christ. Yeah. And that is everything about him yeah. was about the Lord. And so you kind of hit on that a little mm-hmm. bit in your message tonight. Would you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. You know, the um, sometimes we actually don't lean into Christianity, but Stoicism. So we go, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to give up hubris. I'm going to be a more humble person, and I'm going to will it so. I'm just going to be a humble person. I'm not going to brag on myself, or I'm going to fast from social media so that I don't um, uh, you know, uh, platform myself any further. I'm going, to, I'm going to let other people go first, or I'm going to... Uh, be a more giving, uh, encouraging person. And it's not that those are bad things, um, but, and Marcus Aurelius would be very proud of you because he's like the, the, the leader of Stoicism. He wrote a book, Meditations, that's on Stoicism. And that's the Stoic way. The Stoic way is to grin and bear it, to say, I'm going to be a more humble person. And what Paul wasn't doing, that that's also called moralism, by the way. So Paul wasn't saying, hey, be a more moralistic person. Be It's good to be humble. I, I'm a humble guy. I used to be an important guy, but look at me now. Isn't it amazing? I'm humble. I'm a pretty humble guy. <laughs> in, fact, the best quality. in fact, I'm one of the most humble people that's ever walked the earth. You know, He doesn't yeah. do that. That's the stoic way. What he does is he replaces what used to give his life full, rich meaning his ethnicity, his education, these sorts of things. And he replaced it with something grander, better. And that's the way it works. You can't, you can will yourself, maybe morals, if you will, but it doesn't really work. But what you can do is reorient your entire life around a new North Star. And that's what happened to Paul. He's like, I want to know Christ more. I want to know Christ even in his suffering, which most of us don't pray that prayer. I always forget to pray that prayer, Paige. Seem I don't to leave it off the know, prayer cards. Honestly, quite I can't cut. remember the last time I prayed, Lord, allow me to suffer so that I can relate to you. But this yeah. is something Paul prayed, in fact, in more than one place in his writing. He's like, I want to know his suffering 
because I also want to know the power of his resurrection. And so Paul so identified with Christ that that gave him a new foundation for life, meaning in life. It all changed from that moment on. And that's why those other things he let go of, because he had something grander to grab hold of, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So one of the questions that you had last night was just kind of the idea of what um, you can figure out what you're holding on to and what you yeah. want your life about around what you're scared to lose. Yeah. And so you talked about appearance, um, yeah. status, um, relationships, friends, X, Y, Z. And so one of the questions that we mm-hmm. got was what if the thing that we're holding on to is a good thing and an important thing like yeah. friends, like family, like yeah. service. And so how do you kind of navigate oh, yeah. that tension a little That's bit? That's a great question because um, we could easily come away and think, oh gosh, then I guess I shouldn't be good at anything. But it's when you take a good thing, this is a, oh, I, I picked this up from Tim Keller, pastor, uh, writer out of New York City. When you make a good thing an ultimate thing, you you basically turn it into a bad thing. So if, for instance, you're very good um uh, with your words. You're very good interacting with people. But if that becomes the definition of who you are as a person, and then it becomes a God that you allow to become the central stage of your life, then that's become that then it becomes a bad thing. Because not every you you will not always be good in with your words in every situation. Uh, and then also as we age, uh, the brain slows down a little bit, and inevitably, we lose words. Oh, a lot of my friends who are older will say this. Oh, what was that word I was looking for? Uh, gosh, I don't remember. Well, this is an inevitability. So if you take something good that God has given you, like, say, the ability to use words well, but you make it a chief thing of your life, then when that thing is knocked out from under you, you spiral into depression because it no longer can do for you what it used to do for you, mm. give you meaning and purpose. If you view yourself as a steward of the thing God has given you, and you say, during this season, I use this for his honor and glory, but then a time comes where that gets taken from you for one reason or another, you're still you and the Lord still loves you and you love the Lord and you go, well, I have something else I guess I'll contribute. Mm. So the same thing is with, um, I, I think of, um, a week ago, I don't know if you watched the Grammys. I can't remember watching the Grammys ever, but I watch it through Twitter <laughs> later. Uh-huh. And evidently, Madonna has changed her appearance. But I also thought, well, Madonna's like 60, I think, or yeah. somewhere in there. And she should change her appearance. She shouldn't look like the Madonna I knew when I was in high school and she was in her 20s, because this is 40 years later. So we would expect her to change. And Twitter was cruel. I was really? shocked. Because people were posting pictures, and actually some people were manipulating the pictures to even make it look a little different. Well, here is a a woman who was a very talented musician. Not everybody likes her music, but she was very talented at what she did. Uh, It wasn't my cup of tea, just to be clear. I don't (laughs) necessarily have a favorite Madonna song, if you ask. but, But here's a woman who was known for her beauty, known for her dancing skills, known for her craft, And she was just attacked because now she's had what looks like maybe some professional surgical work done to make herself look younger. And it hasn't necessarily been necessarily the best work that could be done. 
And there was lament on both sides of what a terrible culture we live in that would demand a woman of her age try to stay young and all this. And then there's the part that said, why would she do this? How vain is she? And I, I kind of took a step back from it and thought, how terrible would it be if your whole life is your music and your voice isn't so good anymore? It's your appearance, but you age. It happens. Yeah, People get older. That's not a bad thing. And now you're scrambling and you're trying to hide this reality of your voice or your looks. And that deserves our compassion, not judgment. Yeah. But with it, it also tells us, yeah, this is actually a little microcosm of what our culture does. We, we try to deny the reality. And instead, what we ought to do is go, hey, maybe for a season God made me a great dancer or a musician or a model. That was the burden I had to bear. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was never a model. Uh, I was, I was, I was always the before picture. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. But, but to to go, hey, I'm a steward of whatever it is that has given me some sense of this is what I contribute, but ultimately it doesn't define me. So when it's gone, I'm still me, and I have the Lord, and that's mm -hmm. enough. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other questions that we got was kind of along the same line mm -hmm. of choosing Christ or my identity and just the tension mm -hmm. of God made us yeah. all really unique, but then yeah. also walking the line of like, but my ultimate identity is in Christ. And you kind of yes. touched on that a little bit, yeah. but will you touch yeah. on it a little bit more, please? Yeah, yeah. I have three kids. Um, and every now and then they play the game of um, who actually it's the middle kid that usually is the one that's like, tell me the truth. You love me the most. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the other two don't do it as much, but occasionally, but it's definitely the middle one. And, uh, and the thing that's quite, interesting as a parent is each of my children is unique. I have a relationship with each of my children that's unique to them. And I love each of my children in a way that I didn't think my heart could ever love somebody before I had them. And so the truth is God sees our uniqueness. We think we know what makes us unique, but we probably don't. So we might say, well, this is what makes me unique. But but there's a fingerprint on us that we can't quite discern, and God loves that about us. Thanks to sin, there's corruption in us. So sometimes we think the thing that makes us unique is a good thing, and sometimes some of the things that make us unique might be actually a corruption. And so, for instance, let's say there's a person um, who's just really talented, I mean, incredibly gifted at lying. <laughs> right. They just can, I mean, they can convince anyone of anything, but they're just lying. Right. Well, they might be very good at that. And they might actually think to themselves, I'm quite a salesperson. And I don't mean salespeople are liars, but I mean, <laughs> they might say, well, this is just what I'm good at is yeah. kind of fudging the truth and making a living off of it or whatever. Well, that may be unique, but the Lord does not, that's not part of the unique fingerprint for which the Lord says, this is a good thing. Mm, that yeah. may be an identity. Now that's obvious because nobody listening is like, I love a good liar, right? Nobody <laughs> says that, right? Okay. It really warms my heart. I'm trying to use an extreme there, but you can scale it backwards however you see fit. But if we were to say, like for instance, um, if if I if I see myself first and foremost as man, or you see yourself first and foremost as woman, those are identities in a sense. 
But what really makes us unique is not that. So what makes us unique is how the Lord sees us, not in our gender, not in our career, not in our income, not in our nationality, not in our eye color, not in our athleticism. All of those might be factors and features that we at some point or another in life go, this is kind of a neat thing about me. It might be a trivia thing about me, but that ultimately is not what God loves about us, which is really terrific news because all of those things are uh, temporal. I don't know how gender works in the future in God's kingdom. That might be a fun topic for another deal. <laughs> all I know is Jesus says in heaven, there's neither marriage giving and marriage of, you know, so, so that functionality is gone. If we're masculine and feminine, so be it. But that's not first and foremost what God loves about us. Mm-hmm. That's not what makes us unique. So yeah. that's probably more of a, a, a an answer than you were looking no, for. That's but, great. That's but. great. Um, the last question I had was we were talking a little bit like towards the end of that passage in Philippians 3. Yeah. It talks about knowing Christ in oh, his yeah. fullness and just mm. knowing him well. Yeah. And you mentioned that you wanted to kind of dive a little bit more into that topic. Yeah. You know, I was as I was preaching along, most people don't know this, but there's two countdown timers <laughs> in that room. and Very nerve wracking. Yeah. And I was getting down to the wire and I knew I didn't want to rival Andy in length of sermon. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I, I can I want to I want to land the plane on time. So. <laughs> So I I'd spent so much energy up front that I didn't get to the part. And this is really pivotal for Paul, and it's pivotal for our own growth and development, spiritually speaking, is that to know Christ more fully and completely, to, to have more of him in our life, to, to move from bare minimum to major maximum, to, to rethink the structure of our day so that there's barely a minute of our day where Christ isn't a thought. He isn't a part of it. And I think that's what Paul was getting at. I mean, here's a man who literally had met Christ. The resurrected Savior interrupted his trip to Damascus, blinded him, confronted him. But later, Paul tells about a time when he received personal instruction from the Lord. Another time, Paul talks about being taken up into the third heaven, and he speaks in such opaque terms, we're left scratching our heads going, what did he see? (laughs) But yet, Paul didn't go, hey, that was all cool, and one of these days when this is all wrapped up, uh, I'm going to meet him, and in the meantime, I get to see the Roman Empire, and it's pretty sweet. It's kind of neat. I've seen Corinth and Ephesus, and you know, he doesn't go through all that. No, what Paul says, I, just, I would love to experience the resurrection, the power of the resurrection. I would love to have more Christ more in my life, meaning I'd like Christ more fully formed in my life. I would like more people to see Christ in my life. Mm. I would like more of the conscious uh, conscious thought of my day to be around Christ. Now, on one level, that sounds kind of weird, like someone listening right now be like, does that mean I got to like sing praise and worship songs all the time? Just on repeat, on loop. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, you know, what it could mean is you're about to go into a meeting with your boss, and before you go into the meeting, you just say a prayer like, Lord, guide my words and and also work inside my boss. Not for like a raise or anything like that, but I mean, like just as a Lord, let this um, let this next meeting honor you in some way, shape, or form. It could be as you're heading into the office or your place of employment, where you turn off the radio for a few minutes and you're having a conversation with God. And uh, if you commute with other people, make them listen in on your conversation with God. Be hilarious, but. <laughs> 
Um, no, but I, uh, if you have a group of friends and you're all believers, rather than every single time you get together watching something on Netflix, watch something on Right Now Media. I mean, to uh, to incorporate more normatively, not making it special or weird, but normal. Mm-hmm. I heard this story. It was interesting. It was uh, the great musician Johnny Cash. And uh, I read it in, uh, I think it was the liner notes to Folsom Prison Blues. I can't recall where I read this, but but it's been backed up, is that Johnny Cash was a complicated fellow. He was an interesting guy, but one of the things he was known for is being very outspoken about his faith. But he was still loving and kind, and even with people who didn't share his faith. And one of the things he would like to do is if you came over to his house, like he'd have, you know, think about it. He'd have like musicians, anybody over to his house. Before he'd eat, he'd like, all right, let's all circle up and join hands and pray. And I thought, you know, if I were to have just my neighbors over, would I would I do that? Mm. Would I just go, hey, in my in my house, we have a custom of thanking God for his provision. So if you don't mind, let's pray. And Johnny Cash actually there's there's someone I, I in this story, someone says, Well, you know, Johnny, I don't believe. And he goes, That's fine. That's no problem. You know, I believe. So, you know, he wasn't judgmental of the person, the other people. The other thing he would do is occasionally, like if people wanted to, be like, let's celebrate communion together. Really? And this, I guess, he would maybe do with other believers, but but there was just like this normative part mm-hmm. of his life that intertwined his craft. He could sing Folsom uh, Prison Blues, but then also sing a hymn, which he does on that album. You know, he could intertwine the the life of the believer in God and the very real world mm-hmm. he was part of, and it didn't seem to have any issue. And... um it's there's something about this that we could incorporate in our lives is that Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, is just a normal part of our day to day. Not a special part, not a Sunday morning thing, not a Tuesday night thing, not an occasional thing, but like just kind of day in and day out. Yeah, absolutely. Let's well, kind of we've hit on that a couple of times in this podcast with this idea of um just having a fully integrated faith. And that yes, said idea is like, I it. think a lot of times, especially in Western society, yeah. we like to very much compartmentalize it. So, okay, so I do church yeah. on Sundays, work yeah. on Mondays. Yeah. I have this meeting this time, this, yeah. this time. And so our lives are very segmented and compartmentalized, mm. very much like our calendars. They're just little blocks. And so I think part of this idea that Paul's getting at here and that you're getting at is just yeah. the idea of your faith isn't segmented. Your yeah. faith is who you are living and breathing and walking out your life. That's right. And just how vastly different that looks than from the world and how that kind of went. Once you start practicing that, you're like, oh, all these isolated things aren't as important because Christ is in all of it. Paul never says, I just want to up the ante of my devotional life because that's a segment, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're speaking at. Oh, I do devotions. That's a segment. He says, I want to know more of Christ. I want more of Christ in my life. That's comprehensive. That's integrating into all yeah. of life. So by all means, devotions are important. I do them every morning. I have a Bible reading plan. I stick with the Bible reading plan. But I never trick myself into thinking that Bible reading plan is knowing Christ more fully. I could do that all all day, and Christ could be on the outside of my life. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to do that but then to make Christ more known fully and completely in my life. That's good. Absolutely. So kind of as we close for a takeaway, what would you encourage someone to do to take one step? Like, okay, like I want to know Christ fully and start working towards this integrated 
life is integrated faith. Like what oh, is yeah. a good tangible first step you would give someone? You know, I would, I would, one of the recommendations I give people regularly is take one of the gospels, maybe start with Mark. It's the shortest and, and carve out a little bit of time and just try to read it in one setting. Get the sweep of the whole gospel. It's 16 chapters. It'll take you a couple hours at the most if you're a slow reader, if you're a fast reader. Quicker, if you listen to it on audio at one and a half times, it'll probably be quicker yet. But sit down and, and look at actually what Christ said. I'm amazed. Uh, you know, there's this uh, Super Bowl was just last weekend, and uh, there was an ad, a couple ads for the He Gets Us campaign. And and it, what shocks me, or not shocks me really, but there's been a little controversy. And and the number of people who speak for Jesus, well, if Jesus spent $20 million, he wouldn't spend it on that. If Jesus was here, he would have done this. If Jesus was there, I'm like, spoken by people who wouldn't know Jesus if he smacked them in the head, okay? <laughs> and before you go, Jesus would never smack people in the head. Read the cleansing of the temple. <laughs> it's in the gospels. And if he didn't smack people in the head, I'd like you to explain to me how he drove people out of the temple without some sort of bodily infliction of harm. So there's that. We can talk about that in a different podcast. Put but, it in your reading plan. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> actually, I preached on that at the gathering you sometime. Did, the yeah. fig, Jesus and the uh, curse and the fig tree. You can go back it's and up listen on to the that website. One. There you go. But it's um, you, you, you actually get to know what Christ said. And it's, it's actually quite amusing the number of people who think they know what Christ said or did. And then when you come into contact with the Christ of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you realize, oh, they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> he was far more complicated than a cardboard cutout that gets hoisted on Twitter every now and again just for personal gain or personal points. No, no, no. He he actually had a point of view because it's the Lord Almighty. And when you so if you want more of them in your life, you better get the easiest way is spend a little time in his what he what he uh, said. Mm -hmm. Sermon on the Mount is a great place. This is Matthew five, six, and seven. You can just just gobble up those chapters. And if you come away reading the Sermon on the Mount and feel good about yourself, you're reading it wrong, Paige. Because every time I read the Sermon on the Mount, I'm like, oh, I got some growing like, to do. Ah, my toes are, they've been stepped on a couple yeah, times. I got growing to do. Man. Actually, yeah. I also am like, I wish other people would read this. I know some people with real problems. But... I think that's a part of Sermon on the Mount, too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Wait, just yeah. a minute. Let me let me get that little speck of wood out of my eye there. Ha! Ooh, ooh. Uh, well, I haven't gotten out yet. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Phil. We really appreciate Good it. Good to be with you. Thanks, time Paige. To talk. Um, as always, if you guys have any questions or want to talk more, talk to us, DM us. We'd love to have a conversation, just kind of dive in to these topics further. Um, we hope you have a great week.